it's the Play Cousins podcast. In this bitch. Hey, we're here for another week of social commentary. Ooh. Lindsay is sitting to the right of me. Yes. I'm Jameer. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, please continue the conversation with us. This is going to be a very insightful show. So hashtag Play Cousins, and uh, we will definitely get back to you and talk to you <laughs> at will. And if you want to find us, you want to uh, talk to us, tell your story to us, be a guest on our show, mm-hmm. just email us at playcuzcuz at gmail.com. Uh, and follow us on Instagram at playcousinspodcast. Yeah, and where can they find you personally? Lindsay India, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, India, I-N-D-I-A, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And where uh, can they find you, Jameer? Um, it's Jameer, I-T-S-J-A-M-E-E-R-A. On uh, Twitter and Instagram. And if you're over 40 and you're feeling frisky. <laughs> ladies, ladies, uh, hit me up on uh, Facebook at Jameer Pond. Hit him up on the book, ladies. All right. We got a great show for you. It's been a tough conversation. That that Khalif Browder episode was tough for both of us to talk, to talk about. Um, I definitely learned a lot from, you know, from talking with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to learning a lot today. Yeah. And, so. and we look forward to talking to you and happy conversation. But first... Customary, we got to get our, uh, the rant. our 20 second rant. Keep it short. I think I might have already gotten mine out of the way. Yeah, but okay, is that yours? Sure. That's yours? Because nobody uh, wanted to hear that shit. Let's be honest. Here. Nah, 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 nah. We all got to go through <laughs> it. You got to get off mommy's teeth. It's okay. Ugh. You know, get a Mom. nice plan before uh, Trump ruin your life like he doing the rest of us. <laughs> all right. Um, you got a rant? Huh? Yeah, I have a rant. All right. All right. Three, two, one. So, nope, you know what? Want to change it mid-sentence. Here we go. Here we go. Give me another one. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Now, remember when I said This Is Us was the show of our generation? I still believe it. Here's the thing. Don't ever have me feeling stupid like that again for a season finale. I thought I had it down packed just like the rest of America, and y'all trampled all over my heart. Fuck y'all. Ooh, I was about to cut you off. No, no, no. I, I, I you know that. what, Jameer? I'm in the middle of watching This Is Us. Are you crying? I've cried almost every episode. Perfect. Even the first episode, I was like, are you fucking serious? Wasn't that good? Are you fucking? It was so it's good. It's such a good show. So good. And I think I'm on episode maybe 10. Okay. Because I, I can only do it on my uh, my parents' television. I've been doing it for the week, not in my house. Yeah, cheat. But cheat the that system. is, I'm, I'm scared. Wait until you get to... <laughs> The second you get to the second to last episode and the last episode, the, the last three are really powerful. This last episode, oh you might God. feel it's jerked. Al- it's already like it's emotional. Well, though. you can tell. I mean, is it kind of like setting it up for the I'm second not, season? I'm not telling you shit. Damn. You go through this journey alone. No, I'm like saying for like the else. listeners. Is it like setting it up for the next season or is it like a Y'all letdown? Watch the shit. <laughs> Y'all all watch it. All right. So, I have to say it was it's a good show. It's a really fucking good show. Very powerful show, and I'm I glad cry every you episode. Good, yeah, good, good, good. Love it. Um, we got to introduce our guest. Yes. Um, she is a friend. She was uh, kind enough to not only share the last uh, Dear Khalif episode, part one, but willing to come on mm. and have an engaging conversation with us. And we can't say a name, no. but we're going to give it up right now for Officer Khaki. Officer Khaki. <laughs> Officer Khaki. <laughs> Thank you, Officer Khaki. And That's it's the name only, we're gonna use? only because of the color of her skin. I'm not, you know, not because of That's her pants. That's racist. Is it? <laughs> That's racist. It's definitely not. It what? may be more colorism. But your skin okay. color is, I wouldn't call you Officer Gravy. Well, either way, you glowing, girl. Thank you, girl. Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> Officer Khaki. There you go. Okay. I, mm, all right. Whatever. Fuck it. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Right. Of course, you're here because 
we want to get into some of the Khalid Browder documentary, but mm. we also want to talk about the things that you experienced on your job. Yes. What made you want to actually be a CEO? Um, it's a very funny story. Um, I don't think anyone ever wakes up and say, I want to be a CEO. They never say that. That's not, mm. I don't think it's a job where people, it's not glorified because it's hidden. You don't see people being CEOs. You see people being cops. You see people being doctors. So my story is that um, I went out for NYPD and that didn't work out. Mm. So my second option was to join DOC. And here I am, happy, I think. Happy you think? <laughs> I think. I have good days. Why I have good think? days and I have bad days. Because just like any other job, it is very, uh, it's very demanding. Mm. It's very challenging. And you have good days, you have bad days. You work with all different types of people. Mm. From inmates to partners to captains to depths and, you know, it's a lot to deal with. So I'm happy so far. Okay. I think. Again. This is a, this is a 22, 21-year commitment that you got to? 22 and a half. 22 and a half. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sheesh. Wow. Yeah. There's a long trail. Yeah. I was actually, you know, we, uh, we're, we're cool. So like, while I can't give out personal information, but while you were going through the the training to become a corrections officer. I mean, uh, we would talk on the phone, right. um, and you would you would let me know like just the in depth things of what what it took mm -hmm. physically, but also emotionally and mentally. Right. Um, when you from when you were training mm -hmm. to now, how have your emotions and mental state been inside of mm. the actual workforce? Training. Does not, the training that we received, in my opinion, does not prepare you whatsoever for what you're going to go through. Not even a little wow. bit. Not even a little bit. Wow. In my opinion. Is that mentally or physically? Mentally. You mean that? mentally. I was, was going to say, I would see, I could see mentally, but physically does hopefully prepare you in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely mental. It's one of those things where they can, they can tell you how to swim, but you don't know what you're doing until you get in the water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it is. It's a good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. So you, the 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 things that you faced during your whole training, mm -hmm. what are, what are some things that maybe you face day to day that happen during training? Um, mm. there's a lot to deal with when you. Uh, there's a lot to deal with when these guys are having bad days, and we were told about that. You know, mm -hmm. the guy's gonna come in from court, and he's gonna have bad news. He maybe got sentenced, mm. or maybe he didn't see the judge. Or maybe, you know, there was a slashing on his bus. Maybe something happened where he didn't have a good day. Mm. So, um, you know, you got to deal with that accordingly. And we were taught how to talk to them in a way where you kind of try to diffuse the situation even before it happens. So that I've dealt with. Um, I think me being uh, so, I'm going to say so new. I have, let's say I have less than a year on the job right now. Mm. Um I've, I'm carrying that with me, and I think along the way, a lot of officers lose that. Mm. You know, every guy is the same to the officers that have time, in my opinion. Right. Um, because I'm, I don't have that much time. Every guy is different to me, in mm. my eyes. So they're dealing with different things, and you talk to them differently, and you have to know how to treat them respectfully. And I've seen it where that doesn't happen. So uh, 
they definitely prepared us for guys who have bad days. You don't want to provoke them. You don't want to talk to them crazy. And even if they didn't go to court that day, you just want to treat them with respect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. They're yeah. a human being at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, that's one of the things that I, I remember us speaking about right. in depth. Like, I, I was joking, but I was like, you know, you should teach some Tai Chi. <laughs> they should get time to, you know, like, but, you know, just humanizing, even though they're, that they're criminals, they're not animals. Right. And, and um, some of them aren't even criminals. Right. To be honest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They. I. I remember. I was uh, watching the Khalid Brada documentary, mm. and they said majority of the of the inmates there are awaiting trial. Mm. You spend a lot more time awaiting trial. Basically, there yeah. for because something they're innocent for a lot. Exactly. Than than actual committing crimes. Right. So when you see situations where there are other officers that are treating these people who haven't even got sentenced, mm-hmm. um, who may not have priors, but they're treating them all the same like the the murderers and criminals. Right. Like what goes through your mind as somebody that <clears throat> is a corrections officer, but also human at the same time? I absolutely hate seeing officers treat inmates as though they're less than human. Mm. That is something that I'm still adjusting to. It's something that I have a hard time with. Um, for example... I worked with an officer, who uh, a female officer, who just had a nasty attitude. Speaking to her in passing, not directly working with her, she was cool. She was a nice person. But I worked with her, mm. and I saw how she operated as an officer, and it left a really bad taste in my mouth. I don't like to see, especially female officers, I hate to see female officers talk to these men as though they are trash mm. and i and you know anytime i walk into a housing area i don't i don't work in one specific housing area i move around so every time i walk into a housing area i and conversation starts nine times out of ten these guys want somebody to talk to yeah and that's what happens conversation starts and you talk to them and you say to them listen and i i let this be clear everywhere i go i don't care what you're in here for what you did or what you didn't do whether you're guilty or innocent that's not my business i don't want to know if you're in here for tax fraud i don't know i don't want to know if you're in here for murder it's mm. it, it I don't it's not I'm not interested in that. I want to make sure you're fed, you don't kill yourself, and you don't kill a guy next to you. Mm. That's what I'm here for. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not I'll let them know I'm not the enemy. There are guys in there that hate me because I wear blue. Mm. And it took me a long time to realize that would be a thing. Cause I come in as an individual and I treat them as individuals. But they've been in there so long and they're so institutionalized that when they see me, they just see blue. Mm. And they, you know, they talk to me crazy or they look at me crazy. And I'm like, what is this about? But then I have to realize what their mindset is. I'm blue. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to see officers treat these guys less than human. Right. It's um, def- definitely difficult. You mentioned that it, you've had a hard time um, adjusting to mm-hmm. seeing this type of behavior from other officers. And I think it's interesting that you're using the word adjusting, right, like as if that's something that you have to eventually be desensitized completely to. And that's right. like a lot of us who would never be in that position and would never – you know, make it to that <clears throat> point with, with, you know, with where our careers are going. Right. Um, it's like, it's hard for us to understand why anyone would be ever become desensitized to that when they aren't originally, you know, how do you kind of adjust, how do you kind of, um, with the word adjustment being the theme here, you know, how do you kind of take, when you have a bad day with an inmate or mm-hmm. you see a bad day and it kind of emotionally tears at you, how do you kind of feel and deal with that when you walk out of there and you go home and you're living a life that isn't there and knowing that, you know, they still have that on their minds and their, their feelings and what, while they're still behind bars? Um, it's, it's something that I was taking home with me in the beginning. Mm. I was taking it home every day. 
I was driving over that bridge like, damn. And I would take it home and I would dream about it. Mm. And I would think about it in the morning before I went back to work. And it was a constant thing. Um, I think now I've learned to understand that people, all people are different. Officers, inmates, everyone's different. So there are days where, you know, just like I was talking about the inmates going to court and having a bad day, officers have bad days. Mm -hmm. And I think inmates tend to forget that. Mm. They feel like I'm locked up. I'm the person in here that can't go home. I can't see my family. You get to go home. And they don't think that things can go wrong mm. with you. You know what I mean? So um, it's something that I'm still learning. And I try to, I, like I said, I try to talk to these guys and I tell them all the time. That's really my stance. I like to take a, a social service road mm -hmm. when right. it comes to this. You know what I mean? I feel like it's a, it's a, I, I take it as like I'm more than a CEO. I'm kind of like a counselor. Right. You know what I mean? I'll let them talk all day. And it was the officer I worked with, she goes, Eli, why are you talking to him so much? Why are you so interested in what they're saying? Why not? Mm. Who's talking to them? You mm. know what I mean? Because nine times out of ten when they're on, they're on the phone, they're stressed out. Yeah. Or they're getting bad news. So why not be an heir? Mm. Really? Wow. This is what happened at court? That's crazy. You didn't see a judge? Oh, my God. You know, you got to sympathize with these guys. I Honestly, I don't know much about the law. And they ask me questions, and I'm honest with them. I don't know anything about time served or or being remanded or anything like that but talk to me i'll listen and i'll sympathize with you because a lot mm. of times that's really what they want right. and that can alone can diffuse the situation mm. but can can that also <laughs> hurt you in a sense because i know you're looking for more wine it's <laughs> more i know this is deep um can that hurt you in a situation you become do you become vulnerable in a sense lending your ear and yourself to some of these people and you mentioned being actually institutionalized in a sense like officers are institutionalized mm -hmm. um, as well as inmates. Um, when you're vulnerable and you feel like you're not institutionalized where you can turn everything off, is that is that a, a, a soft spot where they can take advantage of you? Actually, the inmates and, and, the, uh, and the officers, mm -hmm. like being vulnerable and being emotional and not having a cold face and coming in there strictly for the job, can that hurt you as well? I think it can. I don't think it has. Mm. It hasn't hurt me. In not, what ways? I've, I've been in, like, the officer I worked with, she, we, it, we kind of, it it's kind of like co-parenting. Mm -hmm. She was the bad, she was the, the strict parent, and I was kind of the nice guy. You know what I mean? So these guys were talking to her, and she was all types of, you know, don't fucking talk to me. You know, get the fuck out my face. Really, like, nasty. Mm. Mm. And I've made it a, a mission, my own personal thing, to not become that female officer, because so many of them are so disgruntled. But I try not to... Um, Try not to get too personal with them. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They like to know. I let them talk all day, but then when the questions start coming, you have to deflect. Gotcha. Yeah. That's one thing that I, I'm, I'm big on, you know. And mm -hmm. you let them talk, and they tell you about their case and how their baby mom didn't come to court, and they think about leaving her, and, you know, what do I do? How do I handle it? And then it comes to me, and it's like, so where are you from? All over. Mm. <laughs> what do what you mean? And then the, I shift it. You know what I mean? You have to learn how to do that, and that's something that I'm still learning because the questions come. Yeah. What does your tattoo mean? What, you know, uh, uh, what'd you do this weekend? Or mm. all kinds of questions. And, you know, it's, a, it's something where you have to, you, you want to deflect, but you don't want to be rude about it. Mm -hmm. right. Because it can turn quickly. And things can explode quickly. One minute you're, you're cool. You're the best officer ever. But the moment you say no to something, mm. oh boy. 
Yeah. Oh, boy, I've had my nights and my days where I am scum. They, they've, 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 they've had words with me and it, it, it hurts. You know what I mean? I'm like, I said, I'm still adjusting and I'm still learning how to, how to turn away from that to, you know, listening to all that stuff. But it, you know, when you're tired and you're working all that overtime and the word bitch is coming out of their mouth every other second, you're like, damn, I was nice to you all day. Right. Why are you talking to me? And I've had, I've had those nights where you, I just, you know, you, you try to take the human aspect with them and sometimes they're not having it. They're not, and you, they told you, oh, you stupid bitch. Fuck you. You stink bitch. You ugly bitch. You fat bitch. You're every bitch in, under the sun. Mm. You're ugly. You fat. You stink. You everything. Everything. And then you, t- you turn to them. You say, I, what's up? We had a good day today. I mm. helped you out. I got you a library. I got you commissary. I got you what you needed. What's going on? Fuck that. I don't care. You stupid bitch. Did I see old bitch? And then everything goes out the window. Wow. Right. So you got to learn how to turn it off. And I'm, I'm still adjusting with that also. Yeah. Mm. So those things I was taking home. And sometimes I still do. But I think I'm doing better with leaving that over the bridge. Sheesh. Yeah. That's tough. I, uh, you work in a place, I'm not going to say where, mm-hmm. but you work in a place where statistically mm-hmm. it's more black and brown men yes. in there than any other minority. Absolutely. I think I would say that about the whole island. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But more black and brown men. Yes. Um, I think read a statistic, maybe 80%. Black uh, yeah. and brown. I think that's what they said in the documentary. Yeah, they said that in the documentary. Yes. As a as a woman of color, mm-hmm. when you see generations of black and brown men in there, mm-hmm. and you know that some of them are innocent, you know that some of them are guilty, mm-hmm. going into work, does that also play a factor in how you feel emotionally every day? Yes. Mm. Absolutely. I've... um. I've had a hard time separating an inmate in jail from a man on the street mm. Mm. or a man in my life. You know what I mean? Wow. I've had a hard time adjusting. Small things like a compliment. If I'm walking down the hallway and the inmate's like, you know, officer such and such, I like your hair. When I, when I first started, it was like, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, it was that kind of thing because if you, you know, it's, you know, whatever. That's what you would regularly yeah, do. Yeah, right. But now you're walking and it, oh, Officer, I like your hair, and you. I'm not here for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I'm in the street, and somebody's talking to me, and I'm looking at them like, don't talk, no talking in the hallways. Yeah. Right. But I'm on the street. It's like I'm by the Coliseum, though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a nice little park with the butterflies. Right. <laughs> yeah. What you you mean? Know? Yeah, yeah. So it 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 takes a it takes a toll. You start to, you know, you start blurring the lines. What's mm. the difference between a man on the street and a man in jail? What's the difference between my dad and an inmate my dad's age? How do I, you know what I mean? How do you separate? It, yeah. yeah. It, it, it gets tough. Now, I think that's a part of what we were talking about, like that kind of institutionalized thinking that maybe right. over the years will transform. I mean, I, just talking to you about that and knowing that, you know, you are fairly new. Right. That, that makes me nervous as somebody that's mm. your friend and somebody that knows you. Right. Because... I don't want you to lose who you are in the essence mm. of who you are because of work. And you spend a lot of time there. A lot. A lot of time. Yes. Now. And, you know, when you're not, I'm sure you're sleeping at some right. point. Mm-hmm. Being there most of the time and taking that home with you, like saying, absorbing it, mm-hmm. being locked up just like the, the inmates. Absolutely. Are. 
emotionally? Are you afraid that one day that you might not be the same Officer Khaki that walked in there ambitious, bright-eyed? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. When I went to the jail that I am in right now for um, training, and also when I started, we, we, they do a shadowing program. So when you graduate from the academy, you go to the jail that you're going to work in, and for two weeks you work with officers. You're not just thrown to the wolves. They don't just throw you on the floor with 50 guys or 100 guys. You shadow them. You work with them. They show you the ropes. And after those two weeks, then they kind of they let you do your own thing. Um, when I started shadowing, every single black female officer that, that was there, was they were disgusting to me. They, their mouths were disgusting. They spoke with foul language. They, they ate while they were talking to you. Like They just had no class to me. And it was frustrating because I'm like, this is not who I am. Right. Mm. And I have a friend that I went to high school with who uh, is in the same jail with me. And we went through the whole process together. Mm. And I said to him after we had our two week shadowing thing, I went to him and I said, you know what? I never want to lose my color mm. because I feel like I'm a colorful person. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? I'm, I'm artsy. I like poetry. I like dance. I like music. I like mm. theater. I love all that stuff. But when you're in there and you're staring at tan walls and men in tan uniforms and everything is just tan. And there are no windows and everything is dark and it's gray and, and it's all melancholy and yet the mood is bad. I'm like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my color mm. Mm. and everything's just going to be black and white. Yeah. And I'm, I, I try to not make that happen. And that's a scary place to be at. Yeah. Right. When everything is black and white. Right. Because I think that's, you know, that's one of the main issues that's going on when you talk about the justice system, um, when you talk about police, when you talk about corrections officers people use the term black and white it's just black and white but you don't see the person for who right. they are right so i can understand because that that's that's my worry for my friends who are in law enforcement right it's mm -hmm. like i understand the training that you have to do but i don't know how rigorous it is but it seems to have an effect on psyches and i'm not talking specifically you right. know but it has an effect on psyches yeah. where now you're not even seeing people as people anymore mm. you completely dehumanized them from the start they're a perp yeah. they're a criminal and i'm afraid because the person that i did know who i know is deep down there has let the blue i guess take over mm -hmm. their mind and their heart and their eyes right um i've seen it happen yeah there, there are guys that i came out with who it's almost like a rite of passage. It's something that they're proud of to walk around and say, oh, these crooks, fuck these crooks. They don't, mm. they don't deserve anything. They don't deserve commissary. Eat the food we give them. They don't need to go buy cookies. Why do they need to do that? Wow. Why do they need to go outside? They could work out in their cell. You know what I mean? They, they have that mentality where they're so high and mighty and they're, they look down on these guys and I hate to see it. And I think it's something that might come with time, but I feel like, Officers that don't have that much time on a the job, they force it. They, they make it. It's a premature thing. Mm. You know, they come in and they're like, oh, I have a badge on. I'm wearing a shield. I'm wearing a uniform. All right. These crooks, they don't deserve anything. Mm. Wow. And they use that word crooks. They say crooks. And I mm. hate it because to be honest, like I said, you don't know what these guys it's are so in here belittling. for. Yeah. You don't yeah. know what they're in here for. You don't know if they did what they're in there for or they didn't do it or whatever the case may be. Like I said, I don't care what they're in there for. And I try, you know, I try not to, to pry. Mm -hmm. But it comes up sometimes, and you're curious. Because there's a guy you may have been talking to for a week, 
And he's such a nice guy. What is he? In? Or an old, older gentleman. This guy's 85. What are you doing? What you, would you do, sir? You know what I mean? You want to know. But, you know, you try not to let that taint what you have to do as an officer. You have to provide a service, and that's what I try to do. So, <clears throat> so being that all of this is, first of all, a lot of this is really tough to hear. Like, cause yeah. I'm just, Fact, I'm right? just someone yeah. that I'm, yeah. Cause I'm someone that's extremely like, I'm extremely empathetic and sensitive. So I feel like other people's pain. So f- I know for a fact, I wouldn't be able to last a day in there, like hearing and seeing the stuff going on. Like I know for a fact, like I could never get myself fully to, to be in adjustment mode for that. But and you've mentioned a lot of stuff that's like heartbreaking to hear, but there's obviously like a reason that you're there doing it. And you say that sometimes it is fulfilling. So what is rewarding about being there that mm, people who question. have for so people who have, you know, their doubts and their resentment and anger towards, you know, what you guys do, mm-hmm. what would you say is rewarding and what is like the best part about your job? The best part about my job is when guys realize that I'm human. Mm. Mm. Because like I said, we're all blue to them. Just like to a lot of us, they're just inmates or they're just crooks. Um, Quick story, I worked with a guy in one of the worst houses in my jail. Mm. And to be honest, when I was assigned to that house, I didn't want to go. I was afraid. There are days where I'm afraid to go to certain Mm. houses. I'm just afraid because these houses have bad reputations. They're maximum, you know, classified classified inmates. So there are days where I'm just like, I don't want to go there. I'm afraid something might happen to me or, you know what I mean? There, I have those days. But anyway, I went to this house and I was afraid and I worked there my first day and actually I had no problems. It was smooth for the most part. Came back in the next day and I saw a guy that I didn't see the day before. And I saw him with what we call a setup, which is a blanket, sheets and a towel. Hmm. Most guys that have setups are new to the house, which means they just moved in either from the street or from a different house. I saw a gentleman standing there. He had a setup on the floor in front of him. So two other gentlemen standing in front of him and their posture looked as if the guy that I hadn't seen was being threatened. So I came in and I tried to intervene. You know, I knew everyone from the day before. So I came in very nonchalant. What's up, guys? Everybody's all right. You good? You good? And the gentleman who I hadn't seen stood there with his arms folded and he just was he was grilling me. And I'm like, he's not happy. Like something's going on here. But I said, you know what? I'm going to fall back and let it play out. So I said to him, I, I waited a little while and I said, are you new here? Are you did you just move in? He goes, no. Are you new here? So I'm like, I was here yesterday and I didn't see you. He said, well, I was in my cell all day. That's where I need to be. I said, oh, do you think? Right. Fell back. Um, and then he went, proceeded to go use the phone. And he took a chair, um, you know, one of the, the chairs that they have in the housing area. Mm. He sat in the chair to use the phone. And that's a rule that is strictly enforced. You're not supposed to be on the phone sitting in the chair. Mm. Uh, so I went over to him and I said to him, listen, you know, you're not supposed to be in that chair. You know what I mean? So he goes, well, listen, fuck it. I'm going to sit here because the captain knows what I do. Da, 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 da. And I said, mm. all right, I'm not going to argue with you. You want to sit in the chair, you're going to get an infraction. Mm-hmm. I don't argue with you. You're a grown man. When I'm not getting into use of force with you, I'm not going to do it. So um, he says to me, I sit in the chair because I got shot. So he proceeds to show me his wounds and his back where mm-hmm. he got shot. And then we start talking about him getting shot. And then we start talking about the situation that night, you know, when he got shot. And then he starts telling me about his baby mom who was there the night he got shot. And then the night he got arrested. And we keep talking. And this conversation mm-hmm. turns into a three-hour conversation. Wow. And I say to him, in the beginning of the conversation, I said to him, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I take this job as like a social service opportunity. Nah, fuck that. You here for the check. You a slave to the money. Because we could t- chop it up for three hours. And as soon as the captain walks in, you, you're going to spin off on me. 
And I said, you know, you might be right, but I'm going to come back and talk to you. Like, you know, this conversation matters to me. That conversation was three hours. And at the end of the conversation, after he was so hostile to me and so cold, he said to me, he called me over to his cell. And he said, you know what? I appreciate you. Hmm. You're right. You didn't have a, you know, because he told me his whole story about his case and how he was trying to decide if he should leave his baby mom because she didn't hold him down the way she should have. And then he he says to me, he goes, you know, you helped me out. You gave me some clarity. And that was something I was just like, and to top it off, those three out, he didn't get on the phone. He never got on the phone. Wow. That's what I was going to say. Is like, was he, this when he's sitting by yeah, the phone? He, got so. a, he never sat because wow. he was about to sit. And I told him, don't sit. And then we get into a little confrontation where he's like, I'm going to sit here. Fuck that. Da, da, da. And then at the end, I realized this guy never got on the phone. Mm. Damn. That's crazy. Like, he that's, just wanted someone to talk to. Right. Yeah. Right. And he went right back to his cell. Yeah. You wow. After three hours. a lot of people like that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So that, that does sound rewarding at the end of the day. Like you got through to somebody who right. almost probably, it would have taken a lot for somebody else to get through to him. So right. And he said to me, he goes, you know, you want to take a social service aspect to it. Like he goes, you know, that might make you too sensitive for the job. Somebody might take advantage of you. That's, and yeah, that's why that's, I asked him. Yeah, that's right, why I know right. I couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, there's, to me, there's a difference between being sympathetic and 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 crossing the line. There's a line there. Taking gonna, on someone's issues. I'm going to yeah. listen to you all day, and I hear that you Snickers are your favorite candy bar. You ask me to bring you one that's a negative. I can't do that. You know I can't. Right. Mm-hmm. I I'm sorry. I you know I can't do. It. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I could. I could bring it for you, but then my job is in jeopardy. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? So there's there's a line there, and you got to let them know in the beginning, early, because they'll ask you for things that are small. Yeah. And that's how they build you up. Mm. Can I can I have your pen? No, you can't have my pen. That's that's contraband. Right. You can't have my pen. No. Mm. Can I get some of your hand sanitizer? No, you cannot. Damn, that's crazy. I thought we was cool. We're not cool. I'm here to do a job. Right. And I let them know that. That's that's their favorite line. Can you do me a favor? I don't do favors. I do my job. What do you need? Mm. Mm. And that's how that's damn, why you gotta be like that? I'm I'm doing my job. What's up? What do you need? Hot water, I got you. Toilet paper, I got you. Soap, I got you. You want me to bring you in some K2 and some marijuana? That's not happening. <laughs> Probably not. Happening. not. <laughs> right. So, you know, we got to let the line be clear in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think officers that get caught up in corruption, they, they don't do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's something that we'll talk about soon. But I, I wanted to get your perspective on one of your hardest days on the job. Because oh. we spoke about certain situations <laughs> like uh, x-ray and, you know, saying I'm sure she'll, she'll let you know what that is. But. Like most difficult day on a job, whether it was mentally, emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. where it had you questioning, yes. why am I doing this shit? I've had a few of those. Mm-hmm. My first one, um, I came into the house and it was cool. Everything was quiet. Chopped it up with these guys for a few hours. At nine o'clock, they had to lock in. I had a little trouble with them locking in at nine o'clock. They don't, you know, they didn't want to stay in their cells. They don't want to go in when it's time for nine o'clock. You know, finally I got them all in and everything was cool. Hit the lights. They're locked in. I'm chilling. And from down the tear right here is, yo, Officer Khaki, suck my dick. What? Wow. Yo, Officer, yo, what? You, you, you spill or you swallow. What's up? What's up? Like, and it's, they talk to you as if. You're not human. It, it, it hurt me that night. Right. It hurt, and I've heard it before, but that night specifically, it was my last because I worked four and two, so mm. four days on, two days off. Mm-hmm. That was my last, and so it was my fourth day. I had did I did doubles all week. Mm. I was tired, so I'm listening to them talk, and it starts to register. And I'm like, 
these guys, I'm at work. And I'm being subjected to crazy language, mm. to all of these, like, disrespect. And I had no issues with them in the day. So now I'm like, what is this about? Why you, why you look, yo, your, your arms look like thighs. You look crazy. What the, yo, you look like you rolled out of bed and you came here. Like, you stink. Did it, and it's, they talk to you so crazy. Mm. And you start to, you start to become self-conscious. Yeah. I, to be honest, before work, I never really, I wasn't like a nails person. Right. I, my nails are done. Wow. My nails are done. I'm not coming because that's a topic of discussion. Little things like that. Not that I come to work to impress these guys, but you try to make your shit as smooth as you possibly can. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know you're working in a tough house. Do your hair that day. Right. Like they cut ass. Cut ass. Wow. Cut ass is not even the word. It's like cut deep. It cuts deep. I, I worked with them and I said, you know what? I'm going to take my time. I'm going to go to the, I had to cross tour, which means I went from one house to another house. They were locked in. Same thing. Yo, what's good with you? Da-da-da, you stupid bitch. Just for no reason. For no reason. It was unprovoked. They just had one of those days. And I was walking, doing my tour, down the tier, making sure nobody's hanging up in their cell. Nobody's cutting, nobody's smoking. And as I'm walking, I'm getting hit with toothpaste, tubes of toothpaste, bars of soap. They throwing these at you. To- yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't know what cell. It's com- they just, they're coming from all over. And I'm getting mm-hmm. hit. And I'm like, I didn't do anything to these guys. Like, what the fuck is this about? So I went back to the other side. Like, all right, let me take a break over here. I'm going back to the other side. And it was the same thing. It kept going. And after a while, I, you know, it got to me. And I started to cry. Yeah. And I was upset with myself that I was crying. Right. I, was, I was so, like, I was like, don't do this. Like, don't. You can't show them that. Yeah. But I tried to take that, that high road and show them that I'm human. And I walked, because somebody was talking crazy down in tears. So I walked down in tears. I said, well, who's talking? What cell is it? Because they talk and they don't, you don't know what cell is coming from, so they, they'll say whatever. So I walked down, I'm like, what cell is it? One guy was like, fuck it, it's me. I called you a stink bitch. I said, da 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 I said, I went over to him, and I was talking real low. And I said, um, you have a sister? And he stopped, like, and he's like, yeah. I was like, you have a mom, right? Yeah. I was like, I'm somebody's sister. I could be your sister. I could have kids. I could be somebody's aunt. Like, why are you talking to me? Like, and I tried to, you know what I mean? That was the worst thing I could have done. And he's listening to me. He's, he's quiet. And I thought I was getting through to him. And as I'm walking down the tier, another enemy goes, why the fuck you talking to him like that? And I looked at him. I said, you don't even know what I said to him. Like, just chill. You don't mm-hmm. know what I said. So I get back to the end of the tier. And I'm thinking I got through to him. At this point, now I was crying. He saw that I was crying. And I made it a point to show him that he cut deep. So I got back to the end of the tier. He said, Yo, by the way, I fucked all my homeboy sisters. So I don't give a fuck whose sister you oh are. Oh my god! <laughs> so, I'm uh, not gonna <laughs> insert men are trash tweet here. <laughs> like, bro. Oh. Thinking back on it, it was wow. funny when he like That's thinking wild back. Funny it was, fun, but that I'm like, because I, I was talking to him, he was quiet. He looked real sympathetic, and then yeah, like he looking like yeah, he's feeling looking, it. He's looking at me like, damn, like uh, he said. Oh. He said, and you don't get these bars. Absolutely. He yeah. said, I don't give a fuck. Who's this? I fucked all my homeboy sisters. I don't give a fuck. Who's sister you are? I was like, okay. So then the captain came and she, she was talking. She's like, everything good? And I was still like teary yeah. 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 And she's like, what's going on? And I took my shield off and I said, I can't do this. Oh, shit. Wow. I was like, I can't do this. And she was like, you're having a rough night. I said, no, I cannot do this. Like, I can't. And she's like, listen, you'll get through it. And she kind of left me with that. And she, she dipped. Mm. And I had to think about it. Like, am I really going to leave because I had one rough night in this house? Because I've been working 
with no issues, no real issues. Knock on right. wood, thank Up God. Until that point. Yeah. So for every every rough day, you have a hundred good ones. Mm. So you just gotta take the rough ones. You know mm. what I mean? But I've had a few of those nights where I'm like, I can't. Especially when you're tired and you feel as though you're being overworked. It's rough. Right. It's rough. So what what's X-ray? Because we talked about um, that. And I, I, I want I want. I don't everybody. know if X-ray was the right term that they used, but I walked into a house. It was younger guys. They were probably early 20s mm-hmm. and um they they can smell you coming if you're wearing a fragrance they know they know a female is on the tear you shouldn't mm. have wore chanel that day is i wore saying. something <laughs> okay and Number i opened the gate there's a whole way and there's a gate so i opened the gate to walk the tear and as soon as i opened the gate all i heard was x-ray and i had never heard that term before i think it was i think that was a term i used. think it was yeah and i said and i'm like i don't know what the fuck that is i'm nervous now i'm like are you gonna throw something like what is x-ray so i'm being cautious and i'm walking down the tear and every single cell that i went to each gentleman had his penis out <laughs> every cell i have to walk into i have to look what into the cell to make the sure that they're alive fuck? and breathing so i have to look that is insane in every cell they were either laying down with it out, standing on the bed oh with it in their hands, God. standing on the door with it. Like every, se- it was 31 cells. I saw 31 penises that <laughs> night. Wait, so like, so is, oh so is the reason, so like, <laughs> yeah, that's wild. trying to think of the logic in my mind. Right. Wow. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to go through the logic. Is it the purpose of it to be like an intimidation tactic, mm-hmm. like a hazing sort of thing? Or is it to see which one she'll pick? Or was she just thinking, maybe she'll do all of us? Well, I asked them in the morning. Because yeah. I was offended. I was really I offended. I the logic in their minds and I how, said, what this is. It was the guy who called it out. <laughs> I guess he was the organizer. So I turned to him and I said, um, what, what, what was that about last night? What was that show about last night? Like, what you mean? You, you enjoyed it? You wanted to do it again oh. tonight? I said negative. I said, listen, <laughs> um, what, what was that about? Like, he's like, you know, sometimes the female CEOs, they come to work as though they teasing us. They come to work all dressed up in their Sunday's best, their pants tight, and their hair done, and they smelling good, and da, da, and they teasing us. They know we can't have it. So now I'm going to do this to you as a retaliation. I was like, I never worked here before. I, I don't do things like that. He's, I don't care. You're a female CEO, so we did it. And I said, but okay, now what did you think my reaction was going to be? Yeah. I don't know. We wanted to see. Maybe you'd be interested. Maybe you would want to come back. I Down said, or? <laughs> <laughs> I turned to him and I said, I want you to understand that that makes you incredibly whack. Like, if you think that that's going to intrigue me, I want, as a man, I don't mean to insult you, but that makes you incredibly whack. If you thought that you were going to try to get in with me good somehow, I would hope that you would use your conversation as a way to do that. Because that's what most guys do. Uh, yeah. They come to you and they oh, how you doing? How was your day? And uh, they try to get you yeah. with the conversation. But these young guys just, just want to pull their dick out for fun. What just for fun. And it fuck? happens. It happens often. Wow. It happens often. And it's a, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. Because I'll be honest with you. Because some, you, listen. What that was the sound of Jameer right putting now? his head into the microphone. What are you saying right because now? Because if you're, if no, you're. I'm good, bro. No, yeah, actually, yeah. Thank you. Okay, yeah. If you're, you get, you have a hard time on a job as a female, in my opinion, if you're not attractive. That's, that's just what it is. A lot of the female CEOs have hard times on the job because they'll get picked on by these inmates. And I find that the more attractive females have an easier time. Mm. So I don't know. So you're saying you're doing okay in there? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Officer Khaki is 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 not. I mean, if that means I got to see dicks every night, I mean, I don't, I don't respond to it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm learning about because I, I get mad. Mm-hmm. Why are you showing me this right now? I'm not interested. Like, I had a guy, he, he was able to turn on the light in his cell from where he was. He turned, I actually had a man masturbate in front of me. Wow. Oh, that's what would do this me over. And I got upset because I wasn't sure if he was doing it at first. And I waited a little while to, because I didn't want to. What did you want to make sure? Like I didn't know what he was doing. I had an idea he was masturbating. Was hand puppet? <laughs> <laughs> what he thought he was doing? He was, we, were, we were in the day room. Yeah. He, the TV was behind him. He was facing me. And I'm, oh, and I'm looking weird. at the yeah. TV. And, then he's, and I'm like, why is he facing me? And he's like one of these movements, like his shoulders and like hands. Like the bruck up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing a little bruck up, like a slow I hate you, Jamil. I hate yeah. you. Stop, yeah. stop. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And I, wasn't, I was mad, but I'm like, wait, let me make sure before I like. And I didn't make it, no, I didn't make it hot like oh, that. But okay. I, I, was, I, would, like, I would write and I would look up. And every time I look up, he would turn away. Oh. He would do one of those. To the point where I'm writing and I do one of these. And he doesn't realize I look up and he's still going. It's out now. Like, it's, wow. it's out. Fully. It's out. That's crazy. Oh, <laughs> and I, I went off and I, was so, I felt so like, what, like, I didn't know what to do. I, didn't, I was so upset. And I put him in and so I'm like, go in your cell. Like, it was before the locking. But now, you, now you're locking in before the time because you just violated yeah. He went in his cell. He turned the light on. He stood on his bed in the cell. Oh, no. From where I was sitting, I could see into his. He stood on his bed so that his penis would be at eye level with me from across the room. Wow. He stood on his bed in a squat position, masturbating. Wow. Just out naked with no clothes on. Boy, wow. That's a tough day on the job. <laughs> oh, my God. I, it happens all the time. I could does. never do this. N- not even a day. Wow. I'm sorry. You are a strong ass woman. You are. I'm still dealing with it though because it's it's not it's I don't know how to respond to it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know how to because I feel like if I get too angry, it gives them satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of times so I'll see it. They're looking for a reaction. A lot of times I see it and I keep it moving. I mm-hmm. see it and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I keep it. But then if you don't react, they they keep doing it also. Sometimes they'll stop. They're like, oh, she didn't react. But then it's like, oh, she didn't say nothing. I'm gonna keep doing it. She might like it. Right. You know what I mean? Or I can get away with it. Right. So I'm yeah. still I'm still dealing with how to how to figure that one out. Right. Um, well, I'm glad we could have a conversation about you because we also like in all actuality of humanizing this whole situation as far as Khalif Browder. And each time we watch the documentary, uh by episode Each episode's getting so much tougher to it's watch so, than the next. It's it's yeah. hard because we see this young man. Um, didn't do anything wrong as we, as we figure out. And, you know, as the case came out as, prior, as we think, as we, okay. As we think. Okay. So, you know what, we'll get into that, but you, you, you hear his story and you share, of course you sympathize because it's insane to, to see what goes on from a personal, uh, perspective mm. and then what happened to him mentally. And, mm. um, I can't even. We like, we know that we know that this is not like a first. Like the justice system, you sometimes you you can't afford bail and you have to wait in jail. Mm. And it turns out you don't do something something wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. So we we wanted to humanize also the officers because we understand that all the officers are not bad. Mm-hmm. But we wanted say that again. All the officers. We I, no, I would we never say that. that. A lot of people don't understand that. Right. But what we do expect for the officers who aren't bad right. to be implementing that good right. on that side. 
it's a responsibility you have. Absolutely. You know, so it's just like if 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 um you know, we know that all officers aren't bad, all black people, all white people aren't bad, like whatever. Mm. It's your job though to be as as the person who is quote unquote good to be breaking down those walls and be like, hey, bro, I don't like what you did right mm. there. That's not what we trying to do. So I, I completely understand. And we wanted to humanize an officer that was actually, you know, good mm-hmm. in, in in a sense. But, you know, we also want to talk about the, the situation at hand, Khalif Browder. I know you got there before, after Khalif, um, the, the whole situation took place. You have been watching the documentary. <clears throat> yes. um, as a person who is now a woman of color, a person, a human, number one, but a, a CEO, Number two, what is your stance from being on the inside now watching this as somebody who is a CEO, but also in a sense, not even in a sense, but a, a human at the, at the end of the day? That is a question that I've been thinking about all week. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking mm-hmm. about the answer to that question all week. I've Actually, ever since I saw the first episode. Right. Um, it's tough. It's tough because you are on both sides of the fence. You know what right. I mean? I think, first of all, let me say that the production of this documentary is amazing because I think it's Mm. doing the job that it's supposed to do. I think everyone who watches it, CEO or not, black or not, whatever you are, you are moved by this story. Absolutely. So I think they've nailed it with that. Mm. As far as the story itself, I have very mixed feelings about it. Um, I was not, I was lucky enough to be raised in a, environment that was some that was very stable mm. i had both parents there i have uh, a brother and a sister who are both older than me who played roles as my second set of parents um i grew up in a decent neighborhood i don't i didn't run the streets i don't know about things like that i don't know mm. about the street life and being caught up in the system so because i don't know about it i'm almost ignorant or naive to it i don't believe in being caught up in the system that's something that I personally don't believe in. And a, a lot of people find fault in that. Um, now, you're saying you don't you're saying you don't believe in it, meaning that you don't believe that it should happen to an individual. I think I think there's a lack of responsibility. That's what I think. I think that. Because he was he had he grew up in this family where his the mother that he had wasn't his biological mm-hmm. mother. Uh, he, you know, he, he was in the system because he was adopted. So they knew every, you know, every, every nook and cranny of his school life and right. every suspension and everything like that. To me, that's not a reason why it's okay for you to go to jail. In the documentary, the sister says there were Latin kings on this block and there were crips on this block and there were bloods on this block. It was bound to happen to one of us. Why? Because you grew up in that environment? I don't agree with that. I think statistically, though, you see... It's a lot of things that contribute into that as well. Right. Like certain areas, yes, are very highly gang gang populated. But also you have to look at the economic stance. Like when I when I when I hear people talk about they wanna send the feds to Chicago and they wanna send they wanna lock down Chicago and you know the president uh President Trump has said that. I think it's more important to look at the economical opportunities and the lack thereof. Of, of of those opportunities, right? So when you have people 
who are not stable economically. We have people that it's a whole bunch of food deserts and it's no, because all of that contributes too. You I have agree. To, you have to see the pot of gumbo that's being stirred. It's not just. And the Bronx is a huge food desert. Bronx is a huge, huge food, desert. food desert. It's not just that there's blood, crips, and Latin kings, but it's lack of opportunities and lack of economical opportunities that contribute to the fact that these people are are damn near pushed into this. Now, I'm not saying, now, I agree. Now, I don't think, I think that choices should be made, but when you have mm. to fend for yourself at such a young age because the odds are stacked against you, it's almost like I'm giving you the key. There's the door. You, should, you shouldn't, but as an impressionable 13, 12, 14-year-old, what are you going to do? Think about when I was 13, I had the fortune of being raised by a parent who was strict and wasn't going in a family who was strict and wasn't going to let me do that. Right. But if I wasn't, I don't know where I would be because so many people looking for a family that they get embraced by a gang because they're made up of kids who didn't have that same opportunities. Yo, we'll take you in. And they're raising each other. What upsets me is that this young man had brothers and he had a sister and he had you know that that yeah. upsets me because but look what happened to his brother do you I remember saw that. he was Which charged with, the, he was charged as being the bronx rapist i saw that crazy. like the bronx right. rapist like literally it's like being like the strangler of a city like he was right. the bronx rapist like so the example that he had was someone who had already been falsely charged with something and had to take a had to take a plea deal which is why it's all the more reason why i feel like his family should have been more responsible with him mm. i feel like there's a lack of responsibility in and i understand i agree with what you're saying with the you know the lack of like the economic situation i totally understand that but i think there's i think we also have to admit that there's a lack of responsibility in these communities, I mm. thought it was a lack of responsibility on the father. Oh, of course, the but father, I, I agree. Which was crazy because yes. the father had the money and didn't pay his. Yeah, that bail. was fucked up. That yeah. was fucked up. Absolutely fucked but up. But you have again. I can't. It, it is a lack of responsibility, but I don't think it's all the time the people's fault. Mm. You have to look at the situation. If you find me a crime rate. Show me a crime rate as high as can be, and I'll show you the economical opportunities that they lack. Okay. Because in suburbs, it's totally different crimes right. than the crimes that are being committed and, and the gang activity that's present. Because there are no, it's, it's, it's hard. You got babies raising babies. Right. You have babies raising themselves. And when you, when, when you look at a situation like Khalif Browder, it's easy to slip and fall into the wrong situations. You see it every day. You go to any, you go to some place and you, you go to, you know, Queensbridge, you go to Brownsville, you go to Soundview, you go to these places, Stapleton and Park Hill and Staten Island, uh, Harlem, and you go to predominantly black and brown neighborhoods that don't have the economical uh, uh, strength that, normal places should have that right. just got mcdonald's and checkers all this contributes into it and not to say that i'm not holding people responsibility because you definitely should take care of your community that's definite responsibility 
But when you look at all the factors that went into it, the black family, the brown family, and those areas were destroyed by things that I feel like were out of the, were set up for them to fail. That's why I think prisons have such a high retention rate. Because I agree with that. Right. The same people that co- go in can't get opportunities when they come out. And what you are almost forced to do, you grab that key again. Here's the door. The door is wide open for crime. Right. That's what's high. Crime and, and, and activity that's unlawful. But these people are trying to survive. Mm. Now, what I do, what I will say is that Khalid Browder in, in, the, in the, uh, the bread truck, when you look Ooh, at that, yeah. that's, how he got, that's how he got his introduction into the system. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he was already on probation from Because he was already on probation. But I want to I talk to you about that situation. Not the bread truck, but the, the, the book bag. Okay. When we see during the documentary that he got locked up for the book bag. Right. We see all these things that contribute. And the fact that he was in there. And we do see himself. We do see him defending himself. We do see him starting some altercations. Right. Um. How how true you're watching the documentary and I'm sure you're getting conversations from people as well as officers. How truthful are are is everybody saying? Because you did have some things to say offline that I want to talk about about Khalif that you heard from people that mm-hmm. were in jail with him. But right. uh how how truthful uh, are they painting a picture of, of Khalif Browder? I think initially the the story, the way the story was painted in my eyes was almost as if they were saying he got arrested for stealing this book bag. Mm-hmm. And then he was in solitary. And I feel like they painted a picture initially, in my opinion, that he went to solitary because he stole this bag. Right. That didn't happen. That doesn't happen. You don't go to solitary based off the crime that you commit. That's what you get locked up for. What you go to solitary for is for offenses that are committed while you're locked up. Right. So that was one thing. Because a lot of people were hitting my phone like, how he go to solitary because he stole the book bag? Like that's crazy. Yeah, and I you you, you see during the documentary that he's getting into altercations, right? Right, right. whether defending himself or right. starting it. But in a situation like that, mm-hmm. where I feel like I've never experienced it, but you kind of have to grow up fast, right? If somebody that's what they talked about, you're not with the program, right? You don't want to, you know, be quote unquote, you don't want to be a punk, you don't want to give up your stuff, right? You kind of have to defend yourself. Absolutely. Knowing what you know now about the being being a corrections officer, did he do the right thing? Because he didn't want to give up his stuff, but he was fighting a lot to protect himself. That's a very hard question to answer. Um, because it's it's really the lesser of two evils. Do you lose your dignity or do you fight every day? Right. You know what I mean. Um, I. Do not work with that age group. I do know, however, that age group is very hard to work with. I visited that that uh, mm. facility, and these are teenagers, but yeah, they're right. sixteen, they're, right? Um, I believe so. Mm. Sixteen, seventeen, or yeah. that's what I Around mean. That age. was that when he went in? Yeah. So, so th- it's um, it's rough. I know one. I know that he was not placed in solitary for being a victim. At one point, he, they go, "Why did? You, why they send you back to the box?" He's like, "Cause I got jumped again." You don't, you're, they, if that's the case, he would go to PC, protective custody. You don't get penalized for being the victim. Right. So that's not something that happened. Um, I don't know. To me, it doesn't, what doesn't add up to me 
is that he would claim being in a gang on the street and he would come to jail and not claim being in a gang. Because in my opinion, from what I've seen, being in a gang is going to help you. Right. Just like that's what people join gangs for, to be accepted, to be protected, to be part of this brotherhood. And then now you come to jail and you're like, I'm, I'm a loner. Why would you do that? Because he said that he felt like the gang life would hurt his chances of getting out. Of his case. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. Which I can't understand because we found out that he, of course, he didn't do it. Spoiler alert, people who <laughs> haven't read. But we found out he didn't take the bag. Um, but I thought in, in, in foresight, that was brilliant to say, hey, I don't want to be associated with this gang because I didn't do this crime. And I know this is going to hurt me in the long run if they find out I'm affiliated in, w- in any way, shape, or form. Mm. I, I don't know about that. Okay. I don't know. I feel like people are in jail that have gang affiliations. They're part of SRG, security risk groups. That's what they're called inside, a security risk group. It's not called a gang. Um, these guys are on these lists of these SRGs, and they may not be a part of the gang, but they may be affiliated with somebody. If This guy is a Latin king, and I'm talking to him every day. And we're chopping it up and they see me give him a pack of noodles. Damn, she must be down. Mm. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't think, in my opinion, it doesn't make sense to me. I understand what you're saying. Like, it may have hurt his case or whatever. But to be fighting every day and not just say, okay, I'm, you know what I mean? It doesn't, I'm with it, right. It doesn't make sense to me. That part does not add up to me. From what I've seen, these guys want to be in a gang because it's going to help them on the inside. It doesn't hurt their case from what I know. And I could be wrong, but from what I know, Mm -hmm. your case is your case. Yes, they're going to try to pull things to build up against you. But if you're if I'm in a gang and I haven't done any type of gang related activity. Yes, I'm let's say I'm a blood and I'm throwing signs up all day, but I haven't put my hands on anybody or I haven't cut anybody or I haven't stolen anything or haven't assaulted an officer. So what if I'm a blood? What is that? What do you have against me Mm. that I'm a part of this organization? So what does that mean? Mm. So to me, that part does not make sense. Well, I, I can understand what it would mean on the on from my perspective. Right. And I, I totally I, I agree with what he said. But because I, I understand what you're saying. But what do you think the rationale was then saying that oh, I don't want to be part of the gang? I understand that may be confusing, but I get it. What do you think? So from your perspective, what do you think the rationale was of him denouncing this game? I think somebody told him maybe you're not claiming this set. Somebody probably, he probably got an order. Like you're not, you know, you're good on the street, but you're not in here. You're not a blood. Or we're not claiming you. It could have been one of those situations. Okay. Maybe he said, I am a blood on the inside. And they're like, you're not. We're not claiming you. It's not going to work like that. Okay. So in that situation, what he did saying, I don't have no affiliation now. Now he's on his own. Now he can't, because now, what you're saying, if he's forced not to be a blood, right? he can't, he's on his own anyway. Right. So, again, what's the rationale that, as an, as a corrections officer, do you think he should have taken from avoiding being beaten up? Because it sounds like he, you know, he, he was getting jumped for being on his own, for being mouthy, for being uh, not with the program, mm-hmm. and he was fighting. I mean, is that... Is that not a normal reaction to somebody that's not with the program? Right. That makes sense. What you're saying makes sense. Um, I don't know how to call it. I've seen guys come into houses and they really just keep to themselves. They don't. 
And I'm not saying that's what he should have done. I'm not saying lock in all day. Because mm-hmm. there are guys who do that, who just don't come out. I've gone to a house that was predominantly one certain gang. And there are two guys in there who are not a part of that gang. But they do not lock out. They do not affiliate with the other guys. Right. And that's just how it is. Maybe they are being extorted, and I, but I don't see it. You know right. what I'm saying? I see guys that, are, that stay to themselves, and it works for them. I don't think he was as much of a victim as they make it seem, in my Elab- opinion. Elaborate for me. I, I think that he came in, and he... These guys, the young guys have something to prove. They want to be tough guys. They want to fight. They want to they wanna go through these things because it gives them street cred. Even if you feel like... I'm. I did nothing wrong. Even if you feel like, yeah, I got an opportunity to stay here. I right, somebody gonna post my bail. I'm gonna be out the next day or two days from now. He knew his bail wasn't gonna be posted. So now I'm gonna be in here and I'm gonna be a tough guy. I'm gonna be a tough guy in here because this is where I am and this is where I have to survive. I'm not gonna back down and I'm gonna fight. And I understand that. Right? Because I'm saying, is is that not the 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 rationale that you should take? Because like I understand. Not wanting to fight and wanting to stay by yourself. But if you're constantly being told, mm-hmm. we're going to bust your ass if you don't give up your commissary or mm-hmm. your phone calls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. What's What do you do in that situation? Right, now, I can only speak for right now, for mm-hmm. this generation. Back then, I think when he was locked up, I think the cameras were a new thing. Right now, the cameras run the jail. Got you. In my opinion, this system, the cameras were put there in my opinion, for these inmates. The inmates have so many rights, it's insane. The, the cameras, to me, work against the officers because every day officers are getting written up or getting jammed up for something small, just like that guy who was going to sit on a phone in the chair. Had I, told, had I not said anything to him or whatever, even if I did say something to him and he didn't move, that's me. I'm getting mm. in trouble for that because I didn't give him a direct order or he, I didn't get him to comply. Now I get in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um... There are guys who move to houses and they, they know it's a gang, a house, a house that's affiliated with a gang. They'll say, I'm not living here. They can, they'll say that. And they will move them to a house where there's no gang affiliations or there's no violence. That happens. Right. Guys know where they can and cannot live. I don't know what it was like back then. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the case. But right now, if I take you, Jameer, and I say you're going to dorm to upper... And up there is all blood. Right. You're going to go up there and they doing all their sounds and they gang signs or whatever. You're going to say to me, officer, I cannot live here. And I am going to tell you you're not going to live here. If you tell me you cannot live here, I'm going to move you. Okay. Because now if I put you on the floor after you told me that you can't live here, now that you're a liability. Now I get in trouble because you told me that you know that there's something in here that is not conducive to your lifestyle. I have to move you. Okay. So he could. I don't know if that's an that if that was an option then, mm-hmm. but it's definitely an option now. Right. Where I am, in my facility. I have a question though, because you mentioned saying that because um, a bit one of the biggest controversies that people talk about from the documentary is Khalif Khalif being sent to solitary. You know, with uh, being portrayed as the victim of these situations that happened that sent him there, um, and you you questioning. You know, when you get sent to solitary. It's not because you're a victim. So 
I want. I just want to know, like, what is it that you would think someone, not Khalif per se, but someone would have to do to be sent there for three hundred something days straight? You I, know, I that's something I don't agree with. I don't think anyone should be in solitary for that long. Yeah, I don't think anyone that's almost a year. I don't think know? anyone under straight. certain age yeah. should be in solitary, and I think that's why it's, it's it no longer happens. I yeah. think you have to be over twenty one now, if I'm not right. mistaken. But you have guys who know that, and they violate you because they know they can't go to they can't go to the box. I've had an inmate tell me, I'm going to splash you. I'm going to fuck you up. And you can't do anything about it. Right. I've had that. But you don't think that's in a result of situations like Khalif Oh, of course. Of right. course. I do think that is. Uh, absolutely. So it's, like the, it's like, you know, the, the, the DOC shot themselves in the foot. Yes. With that one. Yes. Because they, they let a young man sit there absolutely. for 300 days. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know anything 30 about... 30 days is already thir- like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the bang, mm-hmm. like what they call it, the box, mm-hmm. solitary. You have experience. I'm sure you pass by. Not have, the box. You, you no. don't pass by the box. We don't have the box in, in my facility. Okay. Okay. But you do know of officers who have to... Or do you know officers that work? A little. Not. I'm not too experienced with the box. Okay. All right. What what it what it what it? <laughs> Come on, I'm not I'm not too experienced with the. Box. No, I hope not. No no no, I got it. I got it. Okay. Thanks for lightening okay. the mood. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> you but we see the effects that you know in the documentary that it has on people's minds. Absolutely. And you see, uh, somebody as young as sixteen, mm-hmm. what it did to it said they break grown men. Mm-hmm. After he got out the box, we see towards the end of the third episode that he tried to commit suicide. Right. With the news. Yes. You mentioned that the cameras worked in the advantage of the inmates. Mm-hmm. When you see him replay mm-hmm. the situation, the officer standing in the doorway while he's <laughs> hanging himself. Yeah. Again. When we talk about the cameras involved and and in place for the inmates, why do you think certain things like that have happened? I think at that time the cameras were not being taken as seriously are they like they are now. Right. I like I said I think at the time and and this is just a guess because I wasn't around at that time. I think the cameras were new and people weren't taking it seriously. I've I've heard of those situations. I've heard of. You haven't you have asshole inmates. That's the bottom line. Just like you have asshole officers, you have asshole inmates. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with guys that want to fake hang up. They want to I didn't go to commissary today. Oh, I'm gonna cut myself. And they take something like a, a their ID that's plastic and they try to and they're not real about it. And it happens all the time. So you're and saying that situation might not have been real. I think they called his bluff. I think they didn't think he was really going to do it. But while he was doing it, he was stand. They were standing in the doorway, if and he, then cut if him he was down. if he was doing it. So you you, you if say, he may not have been. We don't know. Okay, he's we're going his word off. You know his word versus what we don't know. Okay, we don't know. So you're saying you've seen situations. I'm saying we don't know, Jimmy. Don't no, put words in no, my no, mouth. No, 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 no. I'm saying you've seen <laughs> situations where, again, you said inmates were bluffing. Yes, and um, where they trying to cut themselves mm-hmm. i'm gonna cut or myself. they do something stupid they'll take something that they know they can't hang from mm-hmm. or they'll take a, a blanket you the blanket is so thick you cannot hang yourself with the blanket right they'll go in the bathroom and they'll i'm gonna hang up because i didn't go to commissary and you're like really you can't 
Right. You 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 physically cannot hang up with the blanket. Right. What do you do at that point? You tell them what? What do you say? Well, let me know the protocol because from what it seemed, he took the sheets. Yes. Hmm. He started to hang himself. They walk in and said, We're gonna let you suffer. If he From his words. Right. Right? Right. Yeah, that so, was the deposition. That was the deposition. They're watching him before they grab him. Cut him down. Right. And then, again, his words are beating him. He runs outside. They're fighting him. Right. That's the part that really, like, because if he did truly, like, if, if mm-hmm. obviously, we're speaking on if, if he truly if, did I try, it was in that mode of, like, I'm going to just kill myself. And he, what like, as someone who has fought, fought those types of thoughts myself, I cannot imagine that after I attempt it, thinking I'm going to go through with it, and then having to be jumped by two officers after that, like right. that is that's I don't even I, that would make it worse. Like I would want I would literally just be like next time. Oh, as soon as you're off of me, it's going down. Let right. me tell you something about something that I've learned. I've but never, that's just me speaking from the human brain. Right. That's not speaking on what goes on there. Right. You know, in this situation. I've never been suicidal from what I do know, from what I've learned and from what I've seen. People who are serious about committing suicide are not going to tell you that they're going to commit suicide. They may show signs, but they're not going to say, I'm going to kill myself right now. Them saying, I'm going to kill myself right now is a cry for help. Right. If you're in your cell and you're telling me, I am going to hang up and you're, I see the noose and you're standing on your bed or whatever. At that point, when nothing is happening, you're standing there, I, there's nothing I can do. I, there's nothing that I will do. But it was a cry for help. It wasn't like he was. It, it wasn't necessarily that he was trying to commit suicide to die. He was trying to commit suicide because he had right. asked for a psychiatrist right. over and over, right. and they told him like "fuck out of here," basically. Right. So I think that in a sense, it was kind of like if you don't give me a psychiatrist, I'd rather die. Right. right. In right. a sense. So I think he really, if if what everything he said happened. I truly believe that he did want to die. Like he was saying it in a sense of this is your last straw. Like mm-hmm. if you don't get me a psychiatrist or someone to talk to because I'm going crazy in here, mm-hmm. I'm literally going to just hang myself because right. what else do I have? What right. can I do? I'm going to die in here. He definitely should have gotten a mental health referral, especially yes. being after coming out of the box. I think everyone should be have a mental health referral at that point. Mm-hmm. Everyone should be checked out, in mm-hmm. my opinion, regardless of the age, regardless of the time that you spent in the box. Everyone in jail should have a mental health referral. Just somebody to yeah. talk to, and I, that's why I play the role that I play. Right. Because well, I'm sympathetic to that. You know what I'm saying? I've always been like, talk to me, like, what's going on? Like, how are you feeling? Like, that's how that's always been me. So I, that's what I do at work. Um, as far as him being in the cell, like I was saying, mm-hmm. I want to just finish that thought. It's not, th- it's not like I'm going to let you hang yourself. But if you're standing there and there's a noose and you haven't taken any action, I am not putting hands on you right. until there is a direct threat that's when I'm going to take action. But if I'm standing there and you're telling me I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to watch you until I can take action. Mm-hmm. If you're standing there and you're threatening to do something, then I'm. what can I do? What can I do if you're standing on the bed? What, am I going to tackle you? No, because now it's excessive. Now he wasn't doing anything, but now you put hands All on him. All you can do right. is talk them off the ledge. Right. right. You can't so, go catch them. So let, let, let's say that, let's say for, you know, what I would say, play devil's advocate, he did not. Tried, like he tried, he said, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And, you know, he, he put the noose around his neck. What was the rationale or how do you make how do you make sense from an officer standpoint at that point for them to rush in and start hitting him? I cannot defend that. Okay. I cannot defend that. There's no way that you can say that that's right. If somebody tries to commit suicide and then you're now inflicting pain and harm against mm-hmm. them, how is that right? I can't, I can't, I can't call that. How would you have handled it? 
I would have to wait until there was a direct threat. And at that point, the harm that I would put that person in at that point, if I have to, let's say he's attempting to cut himself, mm -hmm. something that, that is more of an, of an action than him hanging. Let's say he's, you know, he's trying to cut himself or whatever the case may be. I have OC. I'm going to spray you. That hurts. That's okay. painful. It's pepper spray, by the way. Right. right? It's pepper okay. spray, but it's, it hurts. Mm -hmm. I've been sprayed. It's, it's, that's the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Mm. So there are guys who get sprayed constantly where they build immunity to it. Captains have gotten immune to it because they have to constantly get sprayed. It happens where guys, they eat it. They get wow. sprayed and they go on with their day. If you spray them, now they want to they hit you because why did you try to inflict pain on me? Even right. though they don't feel it, it happens. But there are times where I've been an ESO officer where I'm watching guys. It's basically suicide watch. Mm -hmm. Gentlemen who have threatened to kill themselves or harm themselves. Gentlemen who want to swallow batteries because they don't want to go to court. Now, mm -hmm. if I'm sitting here and I'm supervising you and you're about to do something that's going to harm yourself or harm someone next to you, I'm going to spray you. That is me inflicting pain. Right. But as far as him about to hang, I, I can't tell you what the protocol is because, to be honest, I don't know mm -hmm. what, the pro what the black and white says. But if I'm in the situation, let's say it's happening right now, I'm going to have to wait until I can take action. And my action would be while you are hanging, the moment you hang... I'm lifting you up and someone's cutting you down. Right. That's what's going to happen. Fighting you, hitting you, that's, I can't defend that. Do you think they, they did that because of his reputation for being mouthy? Or probably, probably. Listen, it gets, dealing with these guys, it gets people, sometimes you just, there are times where you can see in an officer's face they just don't give a fuck. Let them do it. You, you feel that way sometimes. You know what I mean? But why, when you get to a point like that, shouldn't, is there, now let me ask you this, because I don't know the process, but is there psychi psychiatric evaluations for, off is there somebody for an officer to go talk to on staff? They have a care unit, which is basically like a counseling unit. Right. From what I have seen in the past, I've never dealt with care. Um, it's, it's an acronym for what correction, something, I don't know what it stands for, but it's an acronym. From what I've seen in people who I know that have dealt with care, dealing with care gets you not far. You don't want to see care. Right. Because if you have to see care, something's up to the point where maybe you cannot fulfill your duties as an officer. Right. So there's that. I've never dealt with, like I said, I've never mm -hmm. dealt with care. But from people who I know that have dealt with care, it's a, it's a, it's a cloud over you. You talk to care, oh, man. Talk, if you talk wrong. to Karen, you're on probation. Oh, man. From what I've seen, from what I know, it's, it's not a good thing. So it's, it's kind of like, again, going back to the, to, the, to the similarities between inmates and the corrections officers, I feel like at a point, you become desensitized. And like you said, you don't, you don't give a fuck no more. Right. You, like when they talked about the, the bing, it's the sound your brain makes. It's like, bing, yeah. yo. You were totally, now it's like, I don't care. To the point where, like, a situation like Khalif Browder happens. I'm worried mm -hmm. because it's like you got mentally unstable right. inmates right. being policed by mentally unstable <laughs> officers. Right. I think at that point, you have, to, you have to police yourself at that point. You have to know when you're getting to that place. You have to be conscious enough to say, I can't do this. I need a change of scenery. I may need to change my post. 
Maybe I can't be a housing area officer anymore. Maybe I can't be on the floor. Because mm. I, 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 I work the floor a lot where mm. I'm physically, not physically, but I'm, I'm on the floor with these guys. I'm in the housing area. I'm behind the gate with them. I'm locked mm. up with them. Right. There are officers who are in the bubble, they call. So the, that officer is kind of, for lack of a better term, they're more like a secretary. They're taking phone calls. They're writing things down. They're pat frisking uh, inmates in and out of the housing area. But they're not dealing with these guys. Mm. The, the housing, the, the B officer is. That's usually the uh, post that I have. But you have to know when you, ha- when you need a change of scenery. You have, to, or you have to talk to your partner. There, there have been days where I've been on the floor and I'm like, I can't deal with this. I feel like I'm going to have a breakdown or I'm going to say something that I shouldn't say. Or I'm going to be put my, my job in jeopardy. I'm going to pull my, my partner aside. Listen, I can't be on the floor today. Or I'm having a situation at home. I can't work the floor today. Can you switch with me? Can mm-hmm. I be in the bubble? You, may, you might need days like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think you have, to, you have to do that. And you also have to, you have to, you have to listen to your partners. Because especially when you work with steady officers who know who you are and how you work, if they see, they see there's a change in that, you, you kind of got to let them steer you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely hear what you're saying. It makes sense. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about... Um, I'll talk to you all day, Jamie. There we go. The wine has kicked in. <laughs> I don't know what's in that orange juice. No, it is hot in here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's hot, no? Man, look, no, nah, I'm comfortable. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it's the it's, wine. It's, I don't know. Not warm nah, I think it's you. <laughs> Sweating my hair out. <laughs> I mean, this conversation's pretty intense. It is. It's, it is. We don't mean to put you in a hot seat, but I'm you saying, here. I'm saying, right? I hope I have a job tomorrow. <laughs> you good. I, I, I think I think you good. No, but I'm learning I think so we, much. We learn, and this is why we want to do it, because it's breaking down the walls of communication, mm-hmm. because this stuff that we want to know from watching that documentary personally viewers simply viewers like and people that are not on the inside that we feel is mm. fucked up that we want to know why do you think this has happened it's such my i think my job i have days where i'm walking in the hallways and i'm like i'm on rikers island and the reputation that it has it, it sometimes that you just remember like you think about all the things that have the songs about rikers and the Facts. documentaries and the things that have happened and the history that's behind it although i don't know it all because you said I didn't go to the. Uh, I was like, you didn't. You, <laughs> you didn't go to the Rikers Rush. I didn't go to the Rikers Rush. I was I like, didn't. you don't know, because when I found out that you know Rikers, the, the actual man who the the prison yeah. is named after, was a slave owner, I was like, hey, you realize that? Or something? She's like, ah, I thought that watching was crazy. It just like you, yeah, yeah, I didn't know. After <laughs> watching Thirteenth, I was like, wow. what? But I and, and I know there were a lot of places in this country that that were founded by slave owners and you know buildings named after slave owners and people still celebrate Columbus Day and, and we have Saint Trump Pitt, Tower and we have and Trump Tower you know there's, there's places <laughs> this symbol so I'm mad at that but I can't get that mad what I am mad at though mm-hmm. is that you, the history behind Rikers and then you see the high. Uh, the high rate of black and brown officers mm, mm. as policing black and brown yeah. inmates, inmates yes. which I thought it was just mind blowing. It is. When I went to, like I said, I, I, I did PD for a little while and PD and, and DOC in a lot of ways are very similar. Mm-hmm. But when I went to the orientation for DOC, it looked like I was walking into HBCU. Wow. I, and wow. that was the first thing I noticed. And I'm not, I'm not looking at color. But mm-hmm. when I walked in, I was like, 
I feel like I walked into the club. Like, where wow. am I right now? It's It was crazy. And I started to ask myself, why is it that so many... It's, it's The pay is basically the same. Mm-hmm. The benefits are the same. Mm. So many things are similar about these two jobs. The uniforms are the same. Everything is pretty much very similar. Mm. And I'm like, why is there such a difference? And I had to figure it out. In my opinion, I think... DOC doesn't do that extensive of a background check that PD does. Mm. I think that's one thing. I think. Wow. I think uh, it's easier to get through corrections as far as the academy. Right. Um, And I also think bottom line is that black people know how to talk to black people. I was just about to say that. There's a a issue Mm. of relativity. Like I can relate to you. Mm hmm. I know what it's like. I know, you know, I, I get it. Although right. I wasn't raised in that. I wasn't, I wasn't in the hood and I didn't run the streets. But I get it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like something, you just click with those people because you have that underlining same thing. Right. You know what I mean? How, now, now, you brought up a good point. But how scary is that is to me when you say that, I look at the large number of black and brown corrections officers that are at Rikers. Mm-hmm. When I'm thinking there could be those same kind of black and brown right. officers who are relatable streets. on the streets in these neighborhoods mm-hmm. where you have these rookie cops or these police who are not familiar with these areas who don't know how to talk right. to the people in the community shooting mm-hmm. citizens because they're scared in, 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 in hallways and in staircases and being claiming oh, I was, he was coming at me. I'm, I'm scared. Right. When when oh I look God. at when I look at that factor, now that you said that, something pops into my head. Absolutely, it has to. Do you? I I don't, I, I don't know, Jamie. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to ask you. That point you're making is a valid. Yeah. It's so valid. I don't mm. know why. You. I don't know. Yeah. That should be the case. I think we should look into that. As, Absolutely. As, as people, why is there such a uh, 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 an outst- an outstanding number of black and brown people policing people? In, in Rikers and corrections mm-hmm. facilities all over the country and they're not on the street in their own communities facilitating where they could reason with people where they could be changing the community and changing the culture getting more people involved in law enforcement because mm-hmm. if I see somebody that's influential that's policing the streets maybe as a kid now I don't think they're so harsh I don't yeah, think so bad because they came from the community. Yeah. Why is why is that not happening? But you have uh, Officer Schwartz and you know all these other <laughs> officers. You know all these officers that don't come from my community. Yeah, you don't that are here. Officer Khakis. Officer, why why didn't no Officer <laughs> Khakis in our community? Right. That's something that is a bigger question. Maybe by design. I don't believe in coincidences. It all, I mean, who knows? It could just feel like because people might, th- there might be this higher up of the system and people might feel like if I start trying to influence rather than police in a way or guide in a way, it might be, you know, uh, a slippery slope. Like the higher ups might not care for that because they might be corrupt. And then it might be that, or it might be that the community doesn't take to it well if they're policing, and then the higher ups are like, "Yep, that's what you're supposed to be doing." I mean, it could just be a slippery slope of you're betraying one or the other. Who knows? I don't know. I all, all I know is 
that the system does need a makeover oh. regardless that i can agree with yes yeah. it I just needs a transformation i don't i don't think um i don't think rikers is not built in my opinion for people to make positive changes mm. i'm not saying it can't happen because i've seen it happen mm. i've seen guys come in and i actually i wanted to say that uh, on the last episode you guys did about the the doc uh the documentary mm-hmm. you talked about having the dogs in the um inside the facilities yes. and that program they have that on records mm. do they that really is, that oh. is a program nice. yeah they actually oh, damn i don't want to give too much away but they're they're reforming a lot of the facilities where they have these programs like counseling services like groups mm. and i've been group and it's therapy. so i i love it but someone like me i i participate in the group right. and it's run by um a counselor who's you know certified and licensed and all that, that stuff Luke cage when he's uh locked up they have like, a scene where he that's how he meets the therapist <laughs> okay. that he falls yeah. in love with yeah yeah but they they talk about i've sat in on 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 sessions where they talk about I'm watching these grown men cry because their fathers weren't around. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've sat in it's and I'm like. It's a deeper issue. Yeah. I've it's sat in issue. and I've watched it. And I'm like, this is. And those houses, in my opinion, that have these group therapy type situations, these men are so much more easier to deal with. Mm. But it's a lot of the younger guys who are resistant to it. They don't want to talk. They want to run around and throw up gang signs and, and steal your noodles. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't. It's, again, it, it's that bravado. I told, I told, I was talking to one of the same guy with the chair. I spoke to him and I said, you know, they're changing the whole jail around. Like everybody's going to be on this program. He's like, nah, fuck that. It's not going to work. And I said, why do you think that? I'm not sitting around here talking to another man about my feelings. I'm not doing that. Right. If I cared about, well, I'm not saying I'm going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you about my family because if I cared about my family, I wouldn't be here. So mm. now I'm a grown ass man sitting with 40 other grown ass men crying because my daddy wasn't there. I'm in jail and this is what it's supposed to be. I'm not sitting talking about my That's feelings. That's crazy. And I, and I looked at him and I'm like, what do I say to that? Because it's effective in my opinion. And I said, you don't think it's effective? He said, no. But they, they have these programs. They have OSHA programs. They have programs where these guys are getting certified. And they're able to get jobs when they go home in construction. And they have all these light food handlers licenses and all types of stuff. So, and I go to these houses and they show, yo, Miss Khaki, look at what I got today. And they're showing me their, their certificates and they're so proud. Yeah. And these are grown men. And they're so like, yo, when I get out, I'm be making $35,000 a year. That's Yo, that's cake, right? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they're so <laughs> proud and it gives them a sense of pride. And yeah. when they get these little paper Xerox certificates with black and white with their, just their name written in and a date, these men are so proud of these little certificates. They light up. And I think it's gonna make a difference, but there's some guys who are just resistant to it. Yeah, and that and I'm that's that's just human nature, right? It's yeah. Like some people don't want to touch on that. But. And I, it seems to, in my opinion, it's a lot of the younger guys that right. don't want to do it. But these, I've sat in on these groups and these guys. I've seen these men cry. I've seen these men talk about relationships. I've seen men dissect their own relationships, and they say. Well, yeah, I was cheating on my wife, but damn, if I found out she was cheating on me, that would make me feel away. And then, mm. so I'm not going to cheat on her no more. And they, they have these epiphanies. I watch these men have these epiphanies. And I'm like, that's the part that I like. This is what we need to be doing Absolutely. More yeah. Absolutely. Because that's how reform is actually, that, that's how it happens. You're clicking on a switch. Instead of retention, where it's like, all right, you served your time, push out, you learn nothing, you come right back in. It's like that 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 revolving door is open, but if those people start using the other door on the side, where it's like, all right, I can do something with my life. I feel like I'm bringing something to society now. I feel like I'm good, and it's therapy sessions like that that can help. Mm-hmm. I feel like we would slow down the process 
a little bit. And I can't, you know, it's a whole bunch of other shit why people of color are in jail for all kind of shit. But that will help slow down some of the retention rate. Um, before we get out of here, because this has been, first of all, this has been an amazing show. Yes. I enjoyed um, myself. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you, you know. for having me. Of course. And Officer Anonymous. There we go, Officer <laughs> Kaki. Um, I want to touch on two things. Briefly, now you said you spoke to people who were inside with Khalif. Yes. Um, you know, I had a list of names, of course, but I don't um, know his name. Okay. I don't even know his name. But tell me, tell me his experience with him inside. Was it an officer or was it an inmate? It was an inmate. Okay. Tell me his experience uh, with, with Khalif as um, again, it was, we started to talk about this series, this uh, documentary and I, I, they don't have it there. They have a lot that they watch, right? but they don't have, what well, they watch, they watch the movies are big. Okay. Movies are big. Okay. That's where I saw uh, the Denzel movie with fences. Fences. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah, okay. they watch. They is movies are big. Um, uh, what's that? There's one movie that's like super big. Uh, La La Land. No. What? Oh, get no, no, get out. <laughs> no, I'm going to get get out for them because I think they're gonna enjoy. That's it. Powerful. I have to get. Yeah, I yeah. think I have to get that. Um, uh. John Wick, Wick. Oh, John Wick, John Wick. They John are Wick. Cr- the whole jail is going crazy. I, I never <laughs> even heard about John Wick until it's a Keanu Reeves movie. Shout yeah, out to Keanu. It's a big deal. But anyway, um, so yeah, I spoke to this guy. We were chopping it up, and I said to him, he said, he goes, "Yo, my girl called me. She was talking about this documentary, and I'm like, yes, because I can talk to now an inmate right, about it. Right. So I said, what do you think? And he's only hearing what his girlfriend is telling him mm-hmm. about it. And he said he knew a little bit about the story before he, you know. So I told him, I was like, what do you think? And Actually, how the story got started was we started talking about that. And I said to him, I'm going to do this interview. Right. And I was like, I don't know if I should do it because I don't want to say the wrong thing. And mm-hmm. I don't want to say too much or say too little. And blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know, they talk a lot about inmates being abused. And I was like, I, that's crazy to me. He go, he looked at me crazy like, you don't think that happens? <laughs> and I said, wait, what? Because I haven't seen it. Right, right, right. And I said, what do you mean? And he was like, it's happened. It happens. And I said, wait, what? Like, that threw me. Wow. So he said, I've, I've been not in the facility where he is now, but he said, I've been in a facility where I've watched a guy get cuffed and thrown down the steps. Shit. And when they get to the bottom and they pick him up, they say, bro, you got to watch where you're walking. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He told, and I looked at him and I was what? like, damn, he goes, it happens. He says like, you know, in a house where, where I was, that was heavily populated by one certain gang and an uh, officer would have a problem with one inmate who's not affiliated with that mm-hmm. gang. They would bring that inmate to that house and say, you, y'all got a, a new oh bunkie and they would throw him in knowing that he can't live there. And he, right. they would, like they say in the documentary, we have the officer, the inmates handle the dirty work. Right. He's like, I've oh been a part God. of that. He was, he's been locked up for three years. Mm kind of similar to Khalif's story and yeah. I said to him I said let me let me ask you and I said like, I want to know because I don't know about this because he said to me he goes yeah my, my bond is like 50 over 20 or whatever he said something over something mm-hmm. like he gave me some fraction mm. and I'm like what does that mean right yeah and yeah, I'm like yeah. I don't know what that he gave <laughs> right. me two numbers he but mm-hmm. it was like 50 over 200 or something and I'm like what does that mean and then he goes this is my bond and this is my bail right and you got to pay this and you got to pay this and, and I'm like he was speaking French to me so I was like explaining. He goes, and I was like, all right, so why is it that you cannot, aff- why are you here? And he's like, because I don't have property. So I'm like, what does that mean now? So he's like, you got to go to the bail bondsman and you got to put up property because right. who has $200,000 in the bank? And yeah. I'm like, oh. 
So that's it's why they refinance their house. Right. right. But mm-hmm. I don't know things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and that's what I want to learn because a lot of these guys ask me these questions and I, I can't, and I would like to answer them, but I can't. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the law. Right. I know about my job. You yeah. know what I mean? So Interesting. I want to I want to know because they ask me and, yo, I've been here six months and they sentenced me to X amount of months and is it going to be time served? I don't know. But when you find out, come back and let me know because I want to I know. Right. Yeah. But anyway, he says to me, uh, we start talking about, he goes, yeah, that stuff happens. And he goes, Listen, like I was in uh, some juvenile detention center with Khalif and he was like, yeah, he was like, he was an asshole. He was a, he's not he's not he's not like an innocent kid. Right. And that's what he said. And I'm looking at him. He's just like, yeah, he's like for him to commit suicide is, is cowardly. And I'm like, why do you say that? Like, you don't think it, it fucked with him, him being so young and being in a box. He's like negative. He's like, how? He's like, how? He's like, if you do that, and you commit suicide. You're, you're weak. You're just weak. And I looked at him. I'm like, listen, he's, he was young. You don't really know exactly what he went well, some through. Some people view suicide in general as weak, though. Right. And right. I asked know, him, and he said no. He said the fact that he let the box get to him is what he 300 and something days? I feel like that would get to anyone. That's a little, yeah. I, that's, that's, that's almost a, a year that's a crazy by yourself. Sentence. And that's what I said. To, and he said no. He said, he's like, when I'm in a box, he's like, he said, I've been in a box. And I've been in a box more than once. And I obviously How long, though? Obviously not as long as Khalif. But yeah. he said right. he did do box time. And he was like, I, I find things to do. And he's like, it's good for me. I find it therapeutic, and I was like, "You might, but the next man might not." Right, yeah, but maybe right. if you do it two weeks at a time, not if you, then that's what they said that right. was supposed to usually be is like a right. two week period. No, it three hundred something days is like like I I would go fucking nuts. Yeah, they said after that twenty a, days, it's a point in time. Like I think after and you're 30 hearing days, the banging on the walls from boom. other people, the screaming from the I other areas. That, that would make me right. as an go officer. Insane. I hear that, and that shit drives. I've been in housing areas where these guys are like. For lack of a better term, I hate to say it, these guys are like monkeys in cages and they bang and they scream. Because they're and going they, insane. Shit. But it's not a cell. This is they they were out all day and the lock in was at nine o'clock and it's now nine thirty. Mm. And they're banging and, and it's scary. Right. Even though they're locked behind the cell and they, you know, these guys find ways to manipulate cells and they can come out. That's happened to me also. That another situation where I'm sitting on the tear and it's midnight and I see a fucking body run past it. Like that shit is That's scary. scary. Yeah. And oh it's dark. God. And you don't know if they've you know something it's scary i've been and i've you know i've had to call alarms because these guys are out after lock-in time and what are your intentions mm. at this point now if you're out if you manipulated yourself and you come out and i don't care if you coming out for water i'm going to spray you because you are not you supposed be to be out and it could right. be a threat yeah right so anyway back to this guy he said to me he was in a juvenile detention center with khalif and he said i knew him and he was like i, I just feel like what he did was cowardly and it we mm. it sparked a very interesting conversation, and he mm. he is interested in watching it. But a lot of officers bring in like DVDs for them to watch to occupy their time because that definitely keeps them occupied. Right. That's not something that I feel like. No, I wanna, that's not going to be conducive. I want to. I would. I love to have conversation right. about it, but I'm not. That's something that I feel like would incite a riot. Of course, of course. <laughs> so of course. I'm not a. That's not a road. I'm, I am going to get. Because some people would agree, and some some people would agree would agree with the documentary, and then some people might say like. Well, then we can get away with a lot of shit because, it, you know, right. look how the system works Right, now. right, yeah. right. Right. Uh, thank you, Officer Kaki, for being on, <laughs> yes, on the show. Yes, thank you so much. Quick, what do you want to do? Like, you got a 22-year career. I was going to say that, career too. Career ahead of you. Right, yeah. Like, how do you want to make your change? It seems like you just don't want to stay a, a CEO. How do you, how do you, how is this going to work for you and help you mm-hmm. in the long run? Well, ultimately, my, as far as my career goes, I, um, I don't, I'm not really too interested in climbing the ranks. Okay. I really don't. I'm not interested in being a white shirt. Um, I feel like white shirts don't have the great greatest reputation. Mm-hmm. It seems as though sometimes it's a battle between the officers and the supervisors. So right. My goal ultimately is to go back to the academy and teach. Mm. I think that it needs to start there. 
um, and being honest with the recruits. Because I, when I came in, when I did my facility visit from being in the academy, I walked into the facility and I walking in, I was afraid because I didn't know what I was going to see. They mm. paint this picture like there are animals in jail or they're right. aliens. You remember, right? Yes, yeah. When I, I was afraid you that day. <laughs> you told me that, yeah. And I walked in, and it was, it was. I went to a younger a, a facility with younger guys, and they, they were rowdy, but I was afraid because I didn't know what I was going to see. And they would talk, and they would, you know, they would do. They didn't. None of us got physically harmed, but they were just aggressive with mm-hmm. each other and just loud and cursing. And after a while, being there for the day, I, I we took a tour around the housing area, and there's one guy who was talking shit to all the recruits. And I looked at him and, you know, I could see he was enjoying himself being rowdy and being loud. Mm-hmm. And I turned to him and I was like, this is the most fun you had all day, isn't it? It was kind of like a jab, but I wanted to start conversation with him. And he looked right. at me. He was like, yo, no bullshit. You right. Like, <laughs> this is fun. He's like, this shit is fun. And just right then and there at that moment, I realized these guys in jail are men. Mm. Right. And I say that to every every house I go to when I talk to them and I tell them, especially being a female, I would never come at you guys crazy. I mm. never would insult your intelligence. I never would insult your sexuality. I would never come at anybody that way. And I say to them at the end of the day, regardless of what you're wearing, whether you're in blue or you're in tan, you're a man. Right. And I would never come at you crazy. And I respect, I expect you to have that same respect. It doesn't always happen. Right. Cause you know, I, I am where I am, but I say that to say, I'm going to respect you. Cause mm. that's what they are. They're men. Yeah. So I think if all officers keep that in mind, it'll be a better, a smoother ride. Mm. But it definitely, I think a change has to happen with the academy. It has to start there. Yeah. Uh, they teach you a lot about tactics and how to stand, make sure nobody's standing behind you. And, and then you, you come on, you, when you walk in, it's not natural. It's not natural to come in there and everybody, you know, people are walking all around you and it's not natural to always be on the defense. So now when you walk in like that, these guys are looking at you like, what are you doing? Like now you're a threat because you, you think they're going to do something. So they're like, what are you going to do? If you feel threatened, you might spray me. So now right. they're moving funny around you. It, you know, it's a balance, and I think it really has to happen. It has to start there, and mm. I want to go there. And you know, when they come to the facility, and I try to talk to them, let them know. And it's not an easy job. It's right. not easy. It's not. And I tell them that it's what you learn in the academy. Ninety percent of what you learn, you don't you don't use. Mm. There's a difference between policy and practice. And when I came to jail, Dude. all the all the policy went out the window. And it was about practice. It was about what do we, everything I learned, like, you don't do this. Because in the book, it says you don't do this. Right. But when you're there and you're dealing with that men. book is out the window. And they right. need something, you do what you have to do. Mm. Not say, I'm not saying you do anything illegal or you do anything shady, but you know what I'm saying? You get thrown in there and that's a different ball. Yeah, game. absolutely. So it starts there and it, it has, they have to have some type of sensitivity training, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I hope to make that change. Powerful. Mm. well we thank you this was a powerful show great episode um, great thank episode you guys. yeah and um you know of course we'll we'll continue the conversation uh, uh, you know as long as this keep continues to happen as far as the documentary yeah and three more episodes three more episodes and maybe we'll do oh, we'll do gosh, one each more one is just yeah. i don't know if like how much more i can take emotionally I know, it's, it's tough it's heavy but um you know the conversation still has to happen and mm. we Things like this help break down the, the the distant walls of communication. Like once we break them down, we get a perspective of everybody. And I, I hope you got our perspective um, as far as the people and civilian standpoint. And you know, we definitely got your perspective. I just want to say everything I said is not a reflection of DOC, and I'm not a representative <laughs> of DOC. There you go. There you <laughs> and, go. And uh, all just that, like on. legally, all that stuff. Like I'm just me. I don't represent DOC, mm-hmm. and. If y'all listen to this and I said something wrong. It's just from yeah. being just, on the inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking yeah, at yeah. Own experiences. Yeah. Officer Khaki. 
Um, We're going to lose that name. Eh, no, <laughs> yeah. I'm always going to call you that from now on. I would be curious to talk to an officer that, like some of the ones you described, that aren't so friendly I don't think about yeah, job. I don't think you're gonna have an officer who's gonna admit it. Yeah, yeah no, I don't think course. we would either. But I, w- I would be interested, of course, if that opportunity ever did present itself. I to was do it. told that I was too nice and I was offended. Yeah, recently by yeah. another officer. Yeah, I'm sure. and it made me want to change how I police. But then I, I decided not to. Why change? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. So right, if right. you if you think I'm too, you'll find your different approaches to different right. situations as you go. Yeah. She says, to she, "Why are you? Why are they in your face? Why are they talk? First of all, nobody's in my face. But I let them talk. Why don't let them get? Why do you let them talk to you? Don't let them. You don't have to stand there and talk to them for eight hours. Why not? Because now and then, in the back of the tent, they're smoking weed. Now what? Now yeah. I have a problem. So I'm going to let these niggas talk all day. Mm-hmm. These young kings. There you go. You know <laughs> you know how I feel about it. You know how I feel about that word. Absolutely. All right. Um, thank you once again. Lindsay, where can they find you? Uh, Lindsay India on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-I-N-D-I-A. Um, and lindsayindia.com. Yes, and you can find me at it's Jameer, I-T-S-J-A-M-E-E-R, on Twitter and Instagram. If you're over 40 and feeling frisky and still on Facebook, <laughs> you can find me at Jameer Pond. And uh, please continue to hashtag Play Cousins. We want to keep this uh, going. We we definitely be live tweeting during uh, uh, Wednesday's uh, next installment of the Khalid Browder story. And, um, you know, we just want to bring awareness and continue to bring awareness to this situation and many situations like this and we're encouraging more uh ceos and you know people who have been in the system to come up to the show and we're going to keep talking absolutely because this. this was good this was this was good this is a step in the mm-hmm. right direction all right let's play cousins we out peace <laughs>